0: all right here we are with episode 36 of the florida trail runners podcast and we are chatting with a former florida resident who recently moved out to montana eric keenly he's won races like the itch the Swamp 50K, the first ever Skunk Ape Night Run, and the Wild Florida 120. This year, he took on the Mid-State Mile for a third time in a row. And hey, spoiler alert, this year was his best year. He absolutely crushed it and took his body to the absolute max where his legs couldn't even move. Now, if you've never heard of the Mid-State Mile, it's a last man standing type race on a roughly 1.1 mile course that restarts every 20 minutes and takes place in Tennessee. But along with this episode, we'll also have the stories from the Mid-State Mile coming out later this week chatting with a couple other Floridians, so stay tuned for that. So without further ado, let's kick it off with Eric. Hey! Hey,
1: how's it going?
0: Good, good. Alright. How are your feet feeling?
1: Oh, feet are feet are great. Um yesterday I was having a real hard time trying to walk around. Um, but yeah, just rest and food and water and I soaked in some Epsom salts yesterday. Like I can actually kinda of go up and down stairs right now. Not not very fast, but but no, I feel great, man. I like I feel like I ran that far, but I don't feel like I ran that far. But, you know, your body your body learns to recover the more you ask it to do things like this. So but yeah, <laughs> not not too bad, man. I think I think in a couple of days I'll I'll be feeling just fine. Um I've got a 100k in 3 weeks from now. Um I probably won't run until then or maybe like a little bit the week before, but um I think I've got enough fitness under me right now that I can probably just just go into this, you know, I'm not not doing anything crazy for that one. I'm just kind of just doing it to complete it and get a qualifier for another race, but just doing it to do it, but I yeah, I feel, I feel great right now considering. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You feel fresh every 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> I guess that's just part of the process of the mid state mile.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing, man. And just like the journey of this, just this race has brought me, I mean, ultra running as a whole is taking me to a whole different area of my life. I never thought would ever exist or this would ever be something I'd want to do. And it's cool that like, with this like I've, I've never gotten stagnant I've never just been like okay well we just do this and it's this I've always still have like this fire that burns inside me to just want to do better always and this this just keeps putting another log on that fire another log on that fire and like I'm you know like I wake up every day when I when I go to train like I want to get out the door and I want to stay out there longer and I want to do it well and You know, it's kind of given me the tools to keep that going.
0: Yeah, that's true. Especially being able to travel out to all of these different races. Yeah. So here's a just a little funny thing in
1: my weird mid state traditions. Um, Just with the cost of rental cars going up over the last like two years, I tried to get a rental car last year, and it was going to be like six hundred dollars or something like that. It was going to be like ridiculous. So I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to get a (laughs) U-Haul and. I reserved like a van and I was going to like camp in this van, um, in the field the night before. And I was just, this was going to be my rental car also. And, uh, I get to the, I get to the U-Haul last year and then they tell me, Oh, we don't have any vans now, even though you reserve one. So I had this 10 foot box truck that I rolled up to the race in that I drove around Nashville for like five days. Um, <laughs> So I pulled up there. So then I did that again this year because rental cars were even more expensive. So, but this year I actually had a van. Um, So yeah, pulled up in the U-Haul again for the second year in a row. And yeah, and after the race was all done, I, uh, they had a mattress. So they just like threw this mattress in the thing made like a little bed for me and I slept in the van. But then I realized that like, I, I either had the child locks on or I, uh, or or the, the the handles and locks just don't work from the inside of the van. So I was literally trapped in the van after I woke up the next morning and I saw Becca was like on social media or something and I was like, Hey Becca, I can't get out of the van. I'm trapped in the back of the van. So like she had to like call her mom and her mom came out of the house and like had to like free me from the van. So yeah, I got trapped in the U-Haul, but yeah, that was that was kind of
0: funny, you know. Never never a dull moment in my life. <laughs> But yeah, I guess we can kick it off with, you know, a little bit about yourself, you know, from like Florida to Montana. And when did you start running? So
1: let's see. So yeah. So Eric Keenly, I'm um, originally uh, born and raised in Florida. I recently moved to Montana two years ago on August of 2020. Uh, I started running about 10 years ago uh, when my daughter was first born. I was also trying to quit cigarettes at that time. And this is kind of what kept me off of cigarettes And so I guess I just traded one addiction for another. Um, But I kind of started out, you know, with road races, uh, like a half marathon was my first race I just kind of signed up for it. One of the doctors I worked with asked, uh, do you want to, do you want to run this race with You want to run a half marathon? I said, sure. And I signed up (laughs) for it and I was like, how long is a half marathon? And (laughs) she said 13.1. I was like, oh, okay. I guess we're running 13.1 miles. But uh, I did that. And I really, I think I kind of fell in love with the training. Um, and I just liked the growth and the process and how, how, how you would build something, you know, kind of from nothing. And I don't think I realized that for years, um, that how much I actually really liked the training, but, um, you know, I advanced to, uh, you know, full marathons and then I did a couple of those and then I kind of decided I wanted something a little more challenging. And my friend's sister at the time, she was doing iron mans and i was like oh we're gonna do that and um once i kind of started realizing how many moving parts there were i was like great now i gotta get a bike i've gotta have bike clothes i've gotta get a gym membership so i can swim somewhere i need swimming clothes and <laughs> it kind of became too many moving parts for me and i was just uh, i think i was looking at iron man stuff and somehow i think a ginger runner video popped up on youtube and it was for like hurt and i'd never heard of uh, any uh uh, ultra marathons before I didn't know that that was a thing, and the more I learned about it, and the more I watched this, I just became completely fascinated, and and my uh, my desire to seek something a little bit harder, I realized kind of with ultra marathons, I just need more shorts and more shoes and more food, and it seemed a little more obtainable. So that's kind of how I got into trail running. Really,
0: yeah, it's funny with like Ginger Runner, and then of course like Jamil. And all those videos, that's how I, like, I saw those videos, and I was just like, damn, that was cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Jamil Curry was a huge one for me. I think I watched all the Run Steep videos, you know, from the beginning. I think I've seen everything he's ever put out, and he was a huge, huge influencer for me. Oh, all the vlogs? Oh, man, I absolutely loved it, and I I always wanted to (laughs) kind of do, like, a vlog thing myself, but... I'm a little like camera shy and, you know, it takes a little bit getting used to talking to the camera, but you know, I, I, practice with like my Instagram stories and Facebook stories and stuff like that. So that's probably as far as I'll go. Cause I really don't have all the time to sit there and edit video and all that stuff, but I do, I do enjoy it. And I do enjoy putting like my, what I'm doing to kind of motivate others on social media.
0: But I mean, coming into like the half marathon, stuff like that. So when did you sign that sign up for like Pike's peak? Pike's peak. Um,
1: Let's see. So I went to Colorado a few years ago for work. I was at a a veterinary conference and uh, we happened to be in, we were outside of Denver, but my tattoo artist, she was in Colorado Springs and I knew we could do, um, I knew you could drive up Pikes Peak highway. And when we drove up there, I think we made it to about like the halfway point or so, wherever the little shop is, um, the little lodge, and, um, we stopped for a little bit and I realized they had just like a video playing in the background that there was a marathon there and I had no idea. And I was like, I was talking to my, my ex-wife at the time and I was like, can we come back next year and do this marathon? She's like, yeah, sure. Go, go for it. I don't care. <laughs> so that was actually, that was my first trail race ever was Pike speak marathon. I just went ahead and just tackled a 14 er for a marathon. Um, I think that was my third marathon at the time. But I just, yeah, I just saw it, and I was like, "I'm coming back next year to Colorado, and that's what we're going to do." And that's what I did.
0: So it's, <laughs> so it's like, you know, I'll do my third marathon and my first trail race. Hey, I might as well do it up Pikes Peak, <laughs> and of course, like those views are amazing. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. I love, I love Colorado. It's was it, always
1: somewhere I kind of wanted to move, and we always used to talk about moving to Colorado, and it was kind of funny how. You know I got presented with this opportunity to go to Montana and once I moved there you know by myself I kind of realized I'm like wow Montana was kind of like what Colorado was like before anybody found out about Colorado but unfortunately <laughs> now everybody has also found out about Montana so
0: well yeah I mean it's got all the all the parts and for hunting too holy cow Oh yeah.
1: Hunting, hunting, just the the views, Yellowstone, Glacier, all that. It's, it's absolutely a magnificent place to be.
0: But yeah, so you did your first trail race at Pikes Peak Marathon. What finally made you go into the ultra? So I,
1: so when I was doing marathons, you know, everybody, you know, when you're doing the 26.2, everybody's goal is kind of to go to Boston. And, um, I, you know, I, being at that time I was, you know, that lower age bracket. So, you know, you had to be one of the fasties to get in. And again, at the same time, that's when I was watching Jamil and, and ginger runner. And I kind of started like messing with it in my head. I'm like, do I want to run a fast, like Boston time? Do I want to run like a sub three marathon or do I want to go for a hundred miles? And just the more I watched ultra running and just, like the journey and the struggle, I just was so drawn to it just because it was difficult. And to see people persevere and come out on the other side, I was like, I think I want to, I want to tackle a hundred miles and I want it, I want it to be hard. Um, I was looking at like the first one I originally wanted to do was cruel jewel 100. I just wanted to go like, I, I was Googling world's toughest hundred mile races. And that was one of the things that came up like in the top 10 was cruel jewel. Huh. So I kind of fixated around Cruel Joel for a while, and I tried to make that my first hundred-mile race um, in 2019. But unfortunately, I I had just gotten off a flight. We were going to be driving to Georgia that day after we after we got in, and I went to Publix, and I remember the the cashier passing me a gallon of milk, and it just like she just passed it just the right way. I just felt this little tweak in my back, and then I got home and. Uh, and I tried to just stretch it out and I just felt something like pop and I was like dropped to the ground and I couldn't get up. And my wife was like, there's no way you're going to be able to run this race. And I, I kind of looked at that like, oh, I'm running this race. You know, I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to wake up and this is going to be fine. So we dr- jumped in the car, drove eight hours up to Georgia, got to our cabin and I, my back was terrible at that time. And by four in the morning, I had to email Lee and just be like, there's no way. I can run this race, so I, I withdrew, and you know I, everyone in my family was very happy about that. Uh, not, <laughs> not really, so we all jumped back into car and drove back to Florida. So I withdrew from that race, but my first one, my first successful hundred, ended up being no business one hundred um, through Tennessee and Kentucky, and that was uh, later in the year in October, and that was a huge success. So, you know, my first ultra, I ended up. Getting fifth place, which I didn't expect. I was just having like a great day out there. Had so much fun uh, with my friend Alex Brown. And uh, I kind of just been steadily doing it since then.
0: Yeah, because 2019 was a good year for you. I mean, you had the itch, Swamp 50k, the Skunk 8 Night Run, which I never got the results loaded Mm -hmm. up but (laughs) but yeah no
1: i had a that was really when i first started
0: tackling that yeah so i had itch 50k in january
1: skunk ape 30k in february i think it was yeah and and yeah i was i was doing really well and you know i was i was winning races and swamp (laughs) swamp is hard man i i ran that 50k my my daughter she we ran the 10k um like two years ago but yeah, that is, a, that is a hard race. If you want actually like some kind of elevation, I mean, it's not a ton, but it all kind of adds up in the end. That's a, that's a good race to train for in Florida. And I've heard from people that Swamp 100K is, is perceived to be harder than like Georgia Death Race. Um, but yeah, I haven't tackled that 100K. I did the 50K a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, also in 2019. Um, that, was my, that was a good year for me. But yeah, that's an that's an awesome race, and all all dawn's races are very well put together. It felt good doing it, and I was enjoying it, and I loved getting up early and just training and doing these and working towards a goal. And it was it was kind of it was something it was good to find another passion a little bit later in life. You know, so people usually try to make like their work their passion or something like that. Um, it was good to find a second passion and go after that and do well at it and inspire others to also either seek that out or do well in it themselves.
0: Yeah. Cause that's the biggest thing is just finding your passion and like, kind of like that. Why to why you want to be out there.
1: I always had a bunch of animals and, you know, children and works is always a loud place. And it was great. Just my, my running kind of became my moving meditation and it was kind of my time to just reflect in the mornings and, you know, reevaluate myself, you know, personally and physically and spiritually and every single aspect of life that's kind of what I took from it and I just I always enjoyed just being out there longer and longer and I always used to like when I would first start doing my runs I would just kind of run from neighborhood to neighborhood because I always had like this fear or something something was going to happen and if if I got injured or something you know I needed to be able to hobble like a mile or two back but as I got stronger and more experienced in this, all I wanted to do was just these big, huge out and backs and these huge, giant loops and kind of see how far I could actually get away from the house and, uh, and get back successfully.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think part of that, too, is training for, I guess, training in Florida is a lot different when, you know, a lot of your big races are, are going to be in the mountains. Right.
1: And luckily, I, I, I mean, Florida, you you know well. Florida is not a very um, hilly place at all. There are little spots where there's hills. You can you can make it a workout, but I would always I would always go up to like Claremont and I would just run repeats on Sugarloaf Mountain Road, just this little like half mile stretch of like 250 feet of game, and I would just stay on that thing all day. And I, it, it, yeah, it's kind of funny me being from Florida and, and going and doing all these mountain races and doing well at it. Um, you know, I didn't have the you know, the or the descending that, you know, most athletes get to train with, but I had the heat and humidity. And I think that was beneficial for me because it kind of taxed my body in a different way. It stressed my body in a different way. And I was able to, you know, sustain and correct and be ahead before there was ever a problem as far as my body goes when being put under that kind of stress and being asked to cover this distance or this kind of terrain, I think I think you know training in Florida was was excellent for me, and you know I I still say that to this day. So when people in Florida are like, oh, I want to do this, but I don't I don't live in the mountains. It's like you you can figure it out. You can definitely you can do it. If I if I did it, anybody can do it.
0: I mean, even too here in Florida, because like I remember seeing your like specific training plans for Wild Florida 120.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I love like. that was, that was one of my favorite races and it was cool because, you know, like I grew up in Florida and you know, I was always around like Wekaiva Springs and you know, the Florida trail, but like, you know, it was never anything more than, you know, just going out say like, like when I was younger and I was in scouts, you know, we'd go, we'd go camp somewhere or we'd walk in the woods and do, do different things. But once I kind of, once I got into the trail running and kind of saw what like the Florida trail had to offer, you know, the, just the different trails around Wakiva and all these places I'd grown up that I'd never really explored, and now, like later in life, it was kind of cool to go back and you know, kind of be reunited with my surroundings that had always been there and always been available, but I just never, I never saw more. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I never really realized the opportunity that you know was bestowed upon me at that time. But it was cool to go back and discover that later in life and, and enjoy it.
0: Yeah, so like I remember seeing you doing workouts, like doing speed workouts and like ankle deep and knee deep water. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like I I I always loved like going out and just kind of seeing like how dirty I could get, you know. Because I know like I remember like when I worked when I worked in a running store you know people will complain about the 5k because they hit this little part that had like cobblestone and they didn't like this little like 0.3 stretch of cobblestone street and it was like i just went like through four miles of mud you know getting (laughs) bit by mosquitoes the whole time and like i didn't complain once you know i always i always loved it i just love kind of seeing like how gritty i could be when nobody was watching me and when it was just me out there and you know, I, yeah, I can take a picture, put it on social media, but you don't really understand what it's what it's like unless you've been there yourself and done it. But I always, I always just love pushing myself, and especially like when no one was looking. That that was always one of my favorite things to do.
0: Which I guess that you know that takes us into 2020, which of course is your first Midstate Mile. Mm-hmm. So how how did you even hear about the Midstate Mile?
1: So I you know just you know everybody in the running community as far as like ultras go everybody kind of knows everybody you know even whether you see each other at a race or a social media um, forum or a page or something like that Um, I had met Becca Jones I believe through Georgia Death Race I was volunteering one year and I met her there and then I came back the following year to run the race and we'd become friends like on social media and stuff and then once we actually got to like meet in real life and we just kind of hit it off and became friends since then. And I remember, yeah, 2020, you know, everybody remembers COVID and one by one, all the races just kind of got shut down, you know, for safety reasons and, you know, kind of learning to adapt with these new times. And she, she happened to be one of the only people who was going to be able to put on a race. And um, and it was a little, a little 1.1 mile loop in her parents' uh, backyard and some old, um, you know, logging roads and they'd cleared out these trails and uh, it's a little 1.1 mile loop with 340 feet of gain per loop <laughs> and it's there's two uh one really big climb and the second climb's not as bad um, but it's you know it's still it it adds up in the end but yeah two two big climbs two big descents um and kind of like two very runnable parts um, and she was kind of the only one doing it and she's like hey I'm I'm putting this race on do you do you and Alex want to come out and do this yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. So I kind of didn't, you know, it was kind of weird at that time too. Cause I was also in the middle of uh, kind of figuring out my life, you know, me and my wife split up at that time. So I was like, all right, well, we'll, we'll go to Tennessee and we'll give this a shot. And, you know, I'll take a little extra time and just kind of figure my life out from there. And uh, we went up there and I had, it it was beautiful. Like I had no idea what I was getting into and I kind of just went into this race blind. And I just remember, you know, you know, I I was familiar with a last man standing format, you know, the, the typical 4.16 miles per hour. Um, then, you know, that adds up to a hundred miles in 24 hours. And I was, I was always fascinated by that, you know, a a race with no end, but I didn't, I didn't know what this was going to evolve into. And, uh, we went me, me, Alex, um, we were a team and we did so well at that race that first year and it was hot and it was humid. It was very much like cruel Jewel, And I was, I really, really liked it. I, I had done the 50, uh, for cruel Jewel at this time. And then going out there and doing this, I was like, Oh, this is very similar. I'm like, I, I can do this except for, you know, it's a little bit different, you know, as far as the, you know, you've got to hit this loop every 20 minutes and then the leftover time is yours to, you know, take care of your feet or change your clothes or eat, you know, you can't, you can't keep going, you know? So if I finish the 1.1 miles in 16 minutes, I have to wait for four minutes until the whistle blows. Then I do the next one. Then I have to wait again until the whistle blows for the next one. So it kind of became this weird balance of like managing your time, but also managing your run. And at the end of that race, I ended up getting about 71 miles I can't remember how much work that is uh, off the top of my head. Uh, I'll have to, I'll have to plug that into my calculator or something, but I ended up finishing fourth and shortly after I, I timed out Alex and Greg Armstrong and Chad, Wright They were, they were still going, but within, within 30 minutes to an hour after I, you know, gotten some calories in me and rehydrated, like I went back out and I, I just started hiking the course but I very quickly realized that I had so much more to give on that course. And then once it got down to just Chad and Greg, I'm, I'm sure most people have seen the video of Greg Armstrong coming across the finish line with this quad locking up and just like stumbles and just falls and barely gets up in time. Someone just hands him his poles and he just goes out for another loop. And we were all watching this and watching like a last man standing unfold is very emotional. And when Greg took that spill, like all of us were like in tears and we couldn't really like verbally express what we were all feeling, but everybody was feeling the same thing. And we all just watched him and we were, like, that was amazing that he just got up and kept going. So even once I started feeling better and I got food and water in me and I was out hiking and then I saw, I saw him do that and I saw him fall and get up and I, it just made me for the whole next year be like, I had so much more to give. I didn't even start to tap into that tank. And I just, I, I just like it, it ate at me for a whole year until it was time to go back in 2021. I was just like, I had so much more to give. And I w- always wanted to tap in to that. And I wanted, I, you know, I wanted to be really gnarly at this race. So 2021 rolls around. I, I literally canceled every race I had. I withdrew from Georgia death race, which is one of my favorite races. Um, there was two other local races that I just, I just withdrew from also, and I decided to solely train for mid state mile. And there was a lot of, and a lot of people knew I was doing that, uh, Becca Jones and John Cox, they knew that, you know, I had this fire in me that I wanted to go back in 2021 and really, really prove something to myself and to prove something to that course that, you know, that I'm capable of so much more out there. And, you know, I was trying to really learn how to like dig deep and, I'm kind of capping to those reserves, like you know, most people don't realize it's there. So yeah, so 2021 rolls around, and I was training really, training really well, and I was I was in really good shape. And then about a month before that, I uh, I rolled my I kept rolling my ankle this whole training block, and I rolled it really, really bad. Running with some fast guys up in Montana, I rolled it twice on the same run, and my ankle was like the size of my kneecap. Um, a month out before the race. So I decided I was like, okay, I'm like, I've got enough training under me. I'm not going to run, which probably wasn't smart. Um, I probably should have been like rehabbing my ankle or strengthening or something to actively, you know, increase my chances of it being better for race day. Um, but so I didn't do anything for like 30 days before that race. I didn't run once. Um, I just sat around and honestly I was kind of having a little bit of a pity party and I was drinking beer and f- feeling sorry for myself, but I'd be like, getting all amped up and watching YouTube videos about mid-state and, you know, and I'd be really motivated to do it, but I wasn't doing the proper things that I needed to. So when 2021 rolled around, now I'm in Montana and I've got all this great elevation, all this, but I don't have this heat training. I don't have the humidity that I had in Florida. So when I went out to mid-state 2021, I just thought this race was just going to be handed to me. And I was, I'll, I'll be the first to say I was extremely cocky, Going into that race in the second year, you know, a lot of people, people the first year didn't really realize what they were getting into and were kind of blindsided by it. But I also think that's a benefit and we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But I, I realized very quickly uh, that this was not going to be my day. I think even by like mile 19, uh, I was, I was struggling quite bad. Me and my friend, Aaron Patrick, who also we've ran the race every year. Uh, we were both struggling. It was extremely hot, extremely humid. And I was only able to get about, about 50 K in that year. But also I was, I didn't have any crew the second year, you know, Alex didn't come with me the second year. I didn't have anyone helping me. And the whole race kind of the first year, everybody kind of watched, you know, Chad Wright's performance and I was getting real ready, you know, to be going up against him. And I, you know, kind of studied what he did, how he ran his pace. And he was running closer to like an 18, 1830 uh, per 1.1 mile. And he'd come in and he had his whole, you know, crew and he'd be up and out. So I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to dial back the pace a little bit. Cause the first year I was doing kind of like, you know, 15 minutes, 16, 17 minutes per loop. But I also had people to help me. So the next year when I went I was trying to do the eighteen. 19 minute miles I was coming in and I was just I was just sweating so much and I did not have the support around me to you know take care of my body in between so I was just losing all this water just from sweating and losing salts from sweating and I was not focusing on cooling myself off uh, taking in enough salt uh, eating enough I don't think I tried to do anything as far as heat correction or cooling myself, I don't think I tried to do anything till like hour eight, hour nine last year. And by that point, like it was already so far gone that there was no correcting it. And it would have taken hours for me to bounce back. And I probably could have, but the day was just not going right. Like I, I wasn't producing yarn for like close to six hours. I was getting real starry eyed, real disoriented. I couldn't keep down calories at that point just because I was just so overheated. Um, and it just kind of, it just slipped away from me and I ended up timing out, I think around like, you know, 33 miles or so.
0: Yeah. Cause I guess pacing and hydration is such a, in a normal race, you're constantly moving, but obviously with this race, you know, you, you run that or run power hike, and then you stop. Pacing is so important. I guess, I don't know how you even planned for that. Right. I, I mean, I think,
1: you know, I kind of, I kind of learned from last year, you know, also, you know, they always say, you know, run your own race. And I can't reiterate like how important that is. Last year, there was a whole group of people, you know, in the back of the pack and everybody's, you know, watching the leader from the previous year and kind of everyone's trying to mimic what he's doing. And I realized, I realized, you know, after, you know, from 2021 to 2022, I realized that I've got to run my own race and I've got to manage myself. I can't be looking at other people's success and making that my own i've got to make my own success out there so i kind of realized this year i've got to do what i need to do and you know they always have like this this quote i always liked in veterinary medicine that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound to cure so it's correcting the problem before it becomes a problem you know and already being ready for it so i kind of went into this year having a game plan i had kevin mills he was my main crew person. And we, you know, came up with a plan to, you know, keep myself cool. Uh, when I, you know, finished the loop, I'd come in, we'd, we'd have some, some buffs and some arm sleeves that were soaking in some ice water. We'd lay those on my arms. We put the buff around my neck. I had uh, this awesome RYOBI uh, cordless fan that just ran off these drill batteries. So I just kept putting these drill batteries in there just to cool myself. And I started really early on before I even started getting hot, but also I, um, In my training, I would, um, because it's really funny right now, Montana has perfect running weather right now, perfect running weather, you know, the the snow's finally gone, but, and everyone's starting to finally bust out, you know, t-shirts and shorts, and I'm out there wearing three shirts and gloves and a a beanie, and I'm trying to make it as hot and miserable as possible just to try to train for the heat, so (laughs) that was one thing I did this year that was different from... 2021 because 2020 I had I had Florida to train in the heat. 2021 I just ran in the mountains and I just thought the elevation would just make up for it, but it really didn't. It almost kind of did me a disadvantage moving to a cooler place and then going into the race versus being in Florida and not having the elevation. But so 2022, I you know I heat trained a bunch. I had a much better nutrition plan. Uh, it was, made it made a very big point to be taking insults just because i'm a heavy sweater just to maintain uh, my body throughout
0: throughout this course because it's very demanding out there because now you're on year three of the mid-state mile you know obviously you have i guess you wanted to prove to yourself but what are the other factors that just bring you back you know like the culture the people competition i i think i'm most of all like
1: what I always loved about ultra running was the community. I love the people around it. I love everybody on their own personal struggle or their own personal path in life and what they're going out and doing. And, you know, ultra running is very eclectic. You know, you get people from all the different parts of the country, all different careers, all different backgrounds, but they're all kind of coming together for the same purpose. And everybody I've ever met in the ultra community is super down to earth, super cool people, and it's the same anywhere you go in the country. And, you know, I did a race in Idaho and, you know, there were people who recognized me from Georgia Death Race you know, a few years before that. And I just love the community and um, it, it's, it's like a family. And even more so at Mid-State because, because it is such a short course. You know, you see, you know, from a spectator or from an athlete's point of view, you see the whole race unfold. You see everybody in that race, you see the front of the pack, the middle, the back, you see who's doing great, you see who's struggling, and you see them every 20 minutes. And it's very cool to be running as like a group and doing this together. And, you know, when you do like, say, you know, a hundred mile, like loop or uh, a point to point, you can kind of, you can have a bad mile, you know, you can have a 25 minute mile, you can go in an aid station and you know you can sit there for 5 10 minutes and regroup and go out and midstate doesn't really allow for that you have minutes you really can't have too many bad miles because at that point like the margin for error it's, it's very difficult to correct so you kind of have to stay on your game out there but i i just love the i just love everybody struggling together to achieve something and you need those people to help push you
0: Yeah, and that's the big thing having like actual competition. You know, you guys are always doing the you're always doing the mile back to back to back to back. You know, you, you always have someone to push you. You can always see the competition. You know, I guess just stuff like that. So, I guess take me into the first mile. How did your mile? How did your first mile go?
1: Oh, excellent, man! This this was probably the most well executed race I've ever ran. I was so focused. I like laser focused for 40 hours. You know, I ran my own race the whole entire time. I didn't care who was running fast, who was running slow. This year I went out a little bit faster pace. Um, I was consistently hitting, I was coming in with, you know, four or five minutes to spare every single loop until the very, very, very end. And it was great. Um, I, I I wasn't caught caught up, you know, and it was kind of cool too. You know, everybody's talking about me in 2021, Nobody really mentioned me in 2022, which was great. It kind of took the pressure off, you know. I didn't have all these expectations I was supposed to live up to, you know, all these eyes looking at me. And I just went out and I did what I love to do, and I just love to run. and And I did. I think I did an outstanding job. And I, my nutrition was dialed in. My hydration was awesome. My temperature regulation was was perfect. You know, I watched a lot of people out there struggle, and the heat heat always takes the people out in that race, especially but it was it was so great to be so focused. Uh, I feel like it's been a little bit like I feel like the last run I really had that was this successful was Wild Florida 120 and I you know I ran that race and I led that thing start to finish until the end. But it was good to kind of tap back into that and remember what it's like to kind of depend on yourself and not look at others because Wild Florida 120 I was by myself the entire time running on the Florida trail with like nobody out there. And you know that like, there's not a lot of people you run into out there. So the only people I'd really see was people at the aid station. And then I'd take off again. And this year it was, it was awesome at mid state, you know, even though you see everybody and you know, you're coming back to your crew and, and you know, in 20 minutes and you're seeing the other people out there, it was, I was still very much by myself. Um, Even though I was running next to people, I just stayed in my head in a positive spot. And I, I pushed all the way through, I climbed every, every one of those ascents. Like I never stopped on any of those ascents. I would catch everybody on the climbs. I'd be the first to, up to the top all the way until the end. And it was great to, you know, now it's been a couple of days. So I'm like slowly starting to digest the race and what actually happened and unfolded. But it was, it was very good to just own my own race and, and go for it and do well and, you know, be proud of what I accomplished.
0: Yeah. So coming into mile 71 and a half, now that's the furthest you've gone at mid state. How did that moment feel?
1: Um, It felt good. Um, It was kind of weird because, you know, the first year, you know, I've been, I've been joking around saying, you know, mid state, mid state mile math is the hardest math out there because it's, you know, every 12 hours you get a, you get a 20 minute break. So that's 20 minutes taken off. So you can kind of you can kind of figure out where you are. It's not really displayed anywhere while you're running. But one thing the first year first year and second year I ran this race, I'd run with a lot of people and I'd constantly keep hearing what mile are we at? What loop are we at? How much climbing have we done? And people kept kind of fixating to these smaller goals of okay, I hit a 50 K. Okay. I hit 50 miles. Okay. I hit a hundred K. Hey, we've only got this much further and we've, we're going to hit a hundred miles. And, and, you know, I think thinking like that is, is good for a different kind of race. You know, when you're running like a, a different hundred miler, you know, there's these small little you know boxes you can check off and be like, okay, I hit this, I've got this much more to go. But with a last man standing that, that it's kind of irrelevant. Um, because it's it's a race with no end. You know, second place determines when first place stops. You know, after second's done, they run one more loop and then that's it. They can't continue. So John and Becca kind of dialed it back to tell people that you're in a mile. You just have a mile to go. It's just a mile. Just do the mile and come back. And every mile out there is different, you know, because of how you're feeling, how far you've already gone. But I think this year was very good because it helped eliminate these little boxes to check as I went and I would just solely focus on that one mile and then the next one. And I didn't really have, I didn't have anything to tell me that, Oh, I've passed my 71 from the first year. Um, I didn't really have like the time or, or to say, okay, all right, now we're going to be 17 hours in so I'll have this many miles. Like, there was no, like, mental math going on. It was very much just, we're just going to go and we're just going to do this. And I just focused on that the whole time and it it really helped. And it was really crazy because I know the first year, nobody hit 100 out there. Sorry, the dogs are going crazy in the background.
0: Oh, yeah, my dog started growling at them.
1: (laughs) The... Um, Becca always wanted people to hit hundred miles out there just because this is her family's property and you know, it's something that's important to her. So the first year, nobody hit hundred, the second year, two people hit it. And so this year we had four people hit hundred and keep going, but there was no, there was no recognition about that. There was no, Hey guys, this next loop's your a hundred miler, you know, because also sometimes people, once they hit those little sub goals, they do the, okay, that's good enough for me. You know, I did this, I'm proud of this, and I'm done. And this year, I think, was great because we didn't know any of this. We didn't know how far we'd really gone. My, my watch was well dead after 24 hours. And 24 hours, I think, gets you close to about 75 miles. Again, I'd have to, like, plug that into my calculator. But about 75 miles per 24 hours is about what you're going to do out there. But there was none of that. And I even I even came back in, and, you know, John and Becca, they coach me. And so they, you know, they check on the after, you know, the loops and stuff. And, and I even remember saying, Hey, we, we, we just hit a hundred, didn't we? And she goes, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. <laughs> and I, and I was like, I know, I know it doesn't matter, but like, let's just, let's just stay in this. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I just, I just stayed in it and I just kept going and I, You know, I knew like, yeah, course record was, you know, coming up these like little milestones. But like, I tried very hard not to focus on that. And I just tried to just keep myself going no matter what.
0: Did you sleep at all out there?
1: So, so every 12 hours, there's a mandatory 20 minute break. Um, Oh, that's right. So they'll, they'll, they'll stop it and they try to make everybody in the crew area, you know, they try to limit it. So there's no talking, no noise. I would try, I would at least lay down close my eyes i'd like throw a blanket over me or have a fan on me um and i would just at least try to shut my eyes i'm a very light sleeper some people some people the second they lay down they're already starting to snore um but i i wasn't able to at all really i think i might have dozed off for like a minute or two but not really i didn't really get any sleep out there um, i just kind of just went for like the 40 hours i maybe 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 got five minutes total between the three 20 minute breaks
0: That's a lot of hours to be awake.
1: (laughs) It is. Yeah. And not to mention like the hour or two you're up before the race starts. So that's kind of on top of it as well. But I don't this the sleep deprivation did kind of start to get to me at the very, very end. Um I remember maybe in the last like two, three hours, there was one point when I was running with Justin. Um and he he I think he was ahead of me at that time or behind me, I can't remember. But I literally forgot who I was running with. I, I'm like, I'm like, I know, I know this person. He's a friend of mine. But I'm like, I can't think who I'm running against right now. Um, but yeah, it was just like you kind of started to get a little like disconnected. But uh, yeah, sleep sleep deprivation is an interesting thing to factor in once you've already been like taxing your body and climbing and descending and just running in the heat for that long. And it kind of starts to play games with you, but. But that, like I said, like that was at the very, very end, so that wasn't that wasn't horrible at all.
0: Yeah, with having all the sleep deprivation and stuff like that, you know, I guess one of the other issues that comes up is you know with chafing and blisters and you know that kind of thing. Did any of those issues come up?
1: I did not actually. Um, I had one one little hot spot like on my hip from like where my or my shorts were rubbing my back a little bit, but uh, I was using uh, salty britches. Um, I just got uh, introduced to them last year um, and they're, you know, not like a squirrel's nut butter or a trail toes. They're more like it's a it's like a skin barrier. It's almost like a wax based thing. But I started using that as of last year and been using it for a whole year. And my feet are like in perfect shape right now. Like you would never think I just ran 127 miles out there. And, yeah, I'm I'm very impressed with that product and they're excellent. But no, yeah, my my feet are in great shape. And I have I have one toenail that's a little banged up just because my sh- my my one shoe is just a little bit bigger um, when I switched the pair, so like it was kind of shifting to the front of the shoe as I'd be hitting these descents. So I have one little toenail that's a little banged up, but as far as blisters go, like nothing, nothing wrong. And it was even great. Um, Amy from uh, Salty Bridges, she was even telling me that like what some other athletes will do is they just take a little bit of that ointment and they'll just kind of put it above like just beneath their eyebrow. So when you're sweating, the sweat will literally cascade off the sides and completely stay out of your eyes. So that was another thing that, that I don't think like a squirrel's nut butter can really do or, you know, another product like that. I don't want to be slamming squirrel's nut butter, but yeah, salty bridges is absolutely outstanding and it's perfect for, you know, a situation like that where it's just hot and you're going to be wet from sweating. Um, it was great it took care of my feet it helped me the whole race i didn't have to sit there and keep wiping sweat out of my eyes Um, it it just allowed me to go and something i really really think people should check out they're a newer company but you know they're grassroots and from the south and they're outstanding and great people and all their athletes who run for them are are excellent people with hearts of gold
0: that's awesome actually that's a good point with uh, the eyebrows too especially here in florida Cause like I get done with a run my girlfriend's like, what's wrong with you?
1: <laughs> oh yeah. No, my eyes would be so bloodshot. Cause like, like I was saying earlier, like I sweat a lot. Um, I'm a real salty sweater. You'll see sweats. Um, you'll see salt crystal certain form on my pants and my hat on my face. Um, and this is, this is really great because I'd get the, like, that sweaty salt in my eye and it would just be burning in my eyes. would be bloodshot after some of these runs. I'd just be rubbing my eyes raw sometimes and not a problem at all. I, I could honestly just feel the sweat just kind of go off to the sides and it was almost like a little cooling effect. And it was like, cool, I, I, I'd feel it start going and like instinctually I'd want to rub it away. But then it would just like cascade off my face and it was totally fine. I'm like, I never had a problem. It was It's nice to find things, especially in a situation like that where it's, Now there's one less thing I have to worry about and I can focus more on this versus I've got to factor this in when this problem comes up. I didn't have to worry about sweating or my feet or anything like that.
0: That's cool. Yeah. I'll definitely have to try that down here in Florida. Oh, for sure. (laughs) So I guess, you know, take me into that. When did you finally have to call it, call it a day?
1: Uh, So let's see. Um, We're going into our second night now is Sunday night going into Monday morning. Um, you know, we just busted out our headlamps again. I couldn't really tell you what hour it was. I want to say it was maybe around like hour 36, 37, something like that. I started getting like a little bit of pain, like on the, like, like the lateral side of like my left knee. And I I just thought it was my, like my distal quad. I thought that was what was kind of bothering me. And then I kind of found out later in the race, it was my IT band, but I've never had an IT band issue. So I, I just didn't know it was that, that that's what I was feeling. So I was like, okay, well, I'm like, oh, if, if, if it's muscle, I probably need salt. So I was just taking in tons and tons of salt. Um, and then I'd write it out for a couple hours. And, you know, Becca would be like, you know, your body's going to rebel. And, you know, things are going to hurt. And I've done, you know, multiple distances like this. And I know that, yeah, something's going to hurt here. But eventually that's going to go away. And then something else is going to hurt over here. And then that's going to go away. And I kind of started realizing that, you know, even with a high intake of salt, I even had to kind of tap into some ibuprofen, which I normally don't ever do during a race. I was doing that. I had like a, like a CBD, like balm, uh, like for pain that you would just kind of rub in a little bit. And, And then we even had like a Theragun. And then I kind of realized that, okay, we're doing all these things and nothing's getting better. Um, so I kind of started losing my ability to run on the flatter parts and it, it was hurting, but I was trying trying to keep a real good poker face and not let anybody know that, you know, something wasn't right. So I started not being able to run the flatter parts. So I would just kind of power hike and then it got to the descents, and then I was had a real hard time on the descents coming down, but I was always able to 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 hike up. I was always a strong climber the whole entire race, but then slowly like my whole like left IT band and quad started going and locking up real bad. Then my right one started going. And once the right one went, I started losing my ability to climb and I just slowly kind of started slipping off. And I think my second to last loop, the first descent that you go down is unforgiving. It's called devil's dance and it is super, super steep and it's rocky and it's rooty. And I was just very cautiously just trying to go down and just trying to just preserve my body. I was trying to switch up my gait, maybe land a little bit more on, like, my forefoot, on my one foot. So I was, like, completely changing my gait, just trying to, like, modify, you know, how can can I just ride this out? How can I – it may take a couple hours for this to go away, but I started realizing that, like, it wasn't going away. And then slowly, like, my body just kind of started shutting down from there. My brain was in it the whole time mentally like i was not ready to give up but i the second to last loop i i didn't think i was gonna make it into the corral and i think i made it with like one second to go ran straight through oh, straight through the crew area started the next loop and i think i think becca kind of knew that it was coming and she came down and she, there's like so the, the course is like a figure eight and right where that little intersection is between like the first loop and the second part it, we call it the crossroads So she, you know, the crew can go out there, uh, spectators can go out to that part and cheer on the runners. And she was down there and I came down that first ascent and and she's like, how much time do you have? And I'm like, I'm like, I've got seven minutes to do the whole second half. And she's like, you need to go, you need to go. And like, I made it through that one. But then the next one, she came out to the crossroads again. And once I made that first climb, I kind of knew my race was done at then. I did not think I was going to be able to get back in time so like after I made that first climb, there's kind of this this flatter rolling part and it's it's really pretty up there. Um, But she ended up hiking up to the top and she just kind of helped me down that descent. So she took my trekking poles and like I had my hands on her back, on her shoulders, and I just like very slowly walked down and I kind of knew that it was done then. She did too, but I still wanted to complete the loop. So I still, even though like I had timed out, I, I still finished the second climb, the second descent, and I made it back in, back into the, the crew area and the corral and just finished it. And, you know, my, my day was done, but I didn't, I don't have any regrets about it. I don't feel, I don't feel like I, I I didn't, what am I trying to say? I didn't leave any stone unturned. Like everything I did, I executed and my nutrition, my hydration, my cooling, my training, my mental fortitude like all stayed the same this entire race and it was it was magical and it was really cool to watch you know justin you know go for take this win and it was it was awesome you know and it was cool because like i didn't hand it to him you know i i I made him work for it and we both did and um we both decided like even we were kind of getting a little delirious towards the end and we're like oh man maybe maybe we'll we'll just call it maybe we'll Maybe we'll just get the course record and do like one or two more. And then we're like, what are we saying? Like, absolutely not. Like we're we're here to run. We're we're running until we can't run, until something catastrophic happens. And then shortly after that, I think that was kind of like my downward downward spiral was like, yeah, something catastrophic did happen. Yeah, my muscles and IT band just like said no. And I just couldn't I just literally could not move my body anymore.
0: That, that that's wild. <laughs> like
1: I've never I've never ran to the point of like muscle failure. Like, and I, you know, you see, you see like some of the, like, you know, those like, like 215 marathoners and like they get like to that last like point two of the marathon and they're literally crawling on the ground and like rolling, you know, like a stop, drop, and roll. They're rolling across the finish line. And it was like, I always remember watching that just being like, what does it take to get to that point? You know, Gr- Greg Armstrong, the first year, what does it take to get to that point where, you're literally collapsing but you're still getting up and going and it was it was cool to to find that um i've never found that point before you know i was always focused on you know pushing myself to like what what is my limit as far as what i can do as far as like a distance goes or a time goes but i've never pushed myself literally till the point i break and i went into this race and i told myself either i'm gonna win or I'm going to my body will break in the process but either way however that unfolds I'm I'm upholding the standard of pushing and staying true to myself out there and that's what I did
0: that's like the greatest success that at least you can put your body through cuz like you have a good year the first time you have a a bad year the second time and then now you've had like such an amazing accomplishment for your like I, I don't know for your body and your mind
1: Absolutely. Cause sometimes, you know, once you do something, that, and, and this was, this was another reason why I always focused on cruel jewels. Like my first hundred was I wanted to do something so hard that anything from that point on wouldn't be as hard. I always had that like in the back of my mind to remember, Hey, you did this, this was harder. You can do this now because you did that in the past. And I, I, yeah it's it's something it's something very beautiful to own and to know just what you're capable of but also there's still that that little bit of you know you know unlike you know i'm tossing around the idea right now oh what could i have done differently leading up to this to prevent that and really i don't think there was anything uh, else i could have done i think you know it's there is a there is a limit sometimes you know whether that's a mental or physical thing and you know sunday ended up just being a physical thing and you know my body was just like all right that's enough and just kind of pulled the plug on me which
0: i i guess you know we could close it off with you know what are those we've already i guess talked about it somewhat here though but what are those like those final thoughts that final reflection on how the entire event went
1: i think is as long as you're you're willing to work and put in the work um, Beck and John said it on a, on a on a podcast you know you have all the miles to fix it out there if you're patient and you can trust in the process you can you can you can write it out you know if your stomach goes south and you're not feeling well or you're getting overheated you know if you're patient enough you can you can persevere and you can correct the problem it may take a couple hours it may be miserable but you have to almost just have complete apathy towards it and just be like, well, this sucks. I guess this is where I live now. I live in a mile. I'm just going to stay here until I'm not. And I kind of learned that, like, you have to be patient and you have to just, you have to be, you know, patient, present, uh, deliberate um, of how you execute a race, especially this one.
0: You know, that's a good point with, like, I guess the term patient, present, you know being present in the moment, you know, truly surrounded by like the event, the location, the people. Because obviously, you know, you're choosing to take yourself out of, you know, your normal work and busy life schedule. You know, it's I mean, it's like life. It's a journey. You can't just ru- you can't just rush. We live we live in such a busy world, you know, a busy society that it's always like People are always in it for the instant gratification or, you know, faster service. But like, but in life, like you just have to slow down, take a minute, rest. And just like the Mid-State Mile, you have to take it mile by mile.
1: It's kind of the other thing I just love is, you know, everybody, you know, you have the competition, people you're running against, and, you know, there's, there's, not really considered a second place. You know, it's really just... Everybody's tied for first until they're out. You know, there's just one winner of this race. But it's cool to see the comments. They fall off. These people who you're trying to beat come back and they end up helping the runners who are still remaining to, you know, continue their goal and push them. So these people that you're trying to beat initially kind of become like family in the end and you guys grow close and you don't want to you know, when it gets down to that final 10 and like the people you love, you start seeing them drop off. You don't want to see that happen um, because you've grown so close and you guys have suffered together for so many miles, but it's a beautiful thing to, to watch and, you know, and it inspires the others, you know, who have, who have dropped out of the race and, and it makes them realize that they had more to give. And it's cool to watch the people come back year after year and still want to give it their all. And there's a lot of, you know, there was a lot of people last year who, who did excellent. And like I was saying, like earlier, how kind of going into this race kind of blind is kind of beneficial because you don't know what you're getting into. But then the second year, and I saw that this year with a couple people coming back for their second time who did well the first year, kind of like I did, the kind, it almost kind of gives you a, a false sense of confidence of what you're going to get into because you know what it, you know what it is, you know what that course entails, you know what you did that worked. But then going into a second year, you still have to treat it like, like you've never been there. And I saw a couple people this year, you know, they their race ended earlier, earlier than it did the year before. Um, but that's kind of what happened with me last year. It was, you know, my, you know, I did 71 the first year I did like 33 the next. And then this year I came back and I quadrupled what I did last year. Um, and it was, it was excellent. And I don't have any regrets about, about that at all. And heck yeah (laughs) but yeah it's um it's a it's a beautiful community up there it's 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 such a tight knit group of people and you know there's no there's no cash there's no you know no prizes you know first place gets a uh a homemade quilt from john's mom and uh becca's dad will you know kind of weld some stuff together you know mostly it's like old farming equipment and he'll like, you know, he'll weld it into like, you know, some kind of trophy stand, something. It's different every year. The quilt's different every year, but people go out there and run for days and battle for this quilt. It's kind of the coolest thing ever. And, you know, I, you know, I'd love for other people to go out and experience something like this and whether or not it's, they participate in mid, participate in mid state. um, But just finding something that, that challenges you and, and you have a good group of people around you, it's amazing what you can accomplish. And it's cool because you can also help others accomplish that as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about is, you know, challenging yourself and bringing yourself to the next level.
1: Yeah. And it's, and and this, this race is going to be something big. And I mean, it's already becoming something big, um, the people who know about it, but as it's you know spreading to more, I think, I think this race is going to, you know, draw more athletes and, you know, not necessarily bigger names. I'm, I'm sure those will come in time that, you know, that doesn't really matter, but just it's going to draw the right people out there who really want to challenge themselves and find out something about themselves that they didn't know was possible. And this is the perfect setting to do it in and just the love and strength that you draw off the community and the spectators and the other athletes out there. It's, it's the perfect equation to have either a great day or a, or a terrible day, you know, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to stay present. You cannot focus on a 50 K milestone or 50 mile or a hundred mile or, or course record or any, you have to eliminate all of that. And you have to literally just stay with your eyes on the trail, focusing on where the next five steps you're going to place your feet is, is going to be. And just focusing on nutrition. And it's very simple if when you break it down in terms like that, and it can be very daunting if you're trying to look at it, like, oh my God, we have to do 50 more loops of this, you know, that'll, that'll crush you. But if you can just break it down into smaller bites and just, you know, eat an elephant one bite at a time, it can, it'll be done and, and you can do it. And it's, it's, it's given me so much enrichment in my life and really made me like, want to be a better person in all aspects of my life. And I'm, I'm so grateful for John and Becca and this, this race and this community and the people I've met through this and who have become lifelong friends. Um, I wouldn't be able to be here today or have any of these accomplishments if it weren't for them. So I, I owe a lot to the people that I've run with over the years at this race and in other races I've run, but Mid-State is something so special. And I think this is going to be a, a huge race for years to come. And I just wish John and Becca all the success in the world with this race and, you know, I invite everybody to come out there and check this out. It's something well worth, well
0: worth doing. Dude, that's awesome.
1: No, it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's something to see. And, you know, even, even like people who are like, you know, not big runners or, you know, don't want to compete that just going out there and just doing it and seeing like what you can actually do. Cause there, there's people like, Oh, I just want to run a couple loops and they'll, they'll run a couple loops and then they get back and then they're like, Oh crap. I still have three more minutes to go. Before the next loop, well, I guess I can start the next loop. And then they keep going. Like the, the girl who broke the course record uh, for the ladies out there, I, I think she, she'd only run like a 50K like three weeks ago. That was like her first <laughs> race ever. And she ended up doing like 89 miles. Like crushed the course record for the ladies. And she was a beast. And like, she kept coming in and being like, yeah, I'm done. And then they'd be like, no, one more. You got one more in you. You got one more in you. And she just kept going. And she was a beast. And yeah, Jill was... Jill is outstanding, but like, that's exactly what I'm saying is like, you know, people like there, there can be like some miss, um, ah, like you, it's all about perception. You know, if like you, you think you can do this or you think you can, or you can talk yourself out of it, whatever. But when it comes down to brass tacks and it's like, you're getting back in that corral and you still got time, you can still keep going, you know, like, don't, don't time yourself out don't limit yourself to what you can do because you're capable of so much more out there. And especially with a community like that, like you can definitely keep going. So it's 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 pure magic. It's the it's the most magical race I've ever been a part of.
0: That's the biggest thing. is you know the magic that either you feel, you know, before the race, after the race, or you know, during the race, obviously the journey of it. And you know, it's just like the stories you have to tell that really just carry on. You know, that's also why I do the podcast, because there's just so many cool there's so many cool stories from so many different races all over this country that i really just enjoy hearing about and really also just sharing so like other people can hear it and you know maybe other people can have those same experiences or their own experiences but hey you know i appreciate this this was awesome
1: but no man it was awesome talking to you man good to catch up with you heck yeah dude yeah man we'll do it again sometime dude yeah appreciate it all right man i'll talk to you later
0: And there we have it for episode 36 of the Florida Trail Runners podcast. We've got some great things up in the pipeline, and we also have that stories from the Mid-State Mile coming up too. So, hey, stay tuned in. Happy trails.